A good day and welcome to another edition of Crossfade Bible Ministries Bible Studies. Today we'll be covering the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27. We'll be covering verses 38 through 50. And the title of today's lesson is Jesus is Crucified and Dies on the Cross. Before we jump in to this week's lesson, let's go back last week and kind of review what we learned last week. Last week we studied and we saw where Jesus was sentenced to death. And the Roman soldiers, under the authority of Pilate, took Jesus and prepared him to be crucified. We've seen that Jesus was mocked, he was beaten, he was spit upon, he was flogged. And remember, he was flogged 39 times. And the flogging and the beating that he took, you and I, the normal human being, a normal person, would have died just from that beating, just from that flogging. And we've seen that after he was beat, after he was mocked, after he was spat upon, after he was flogged, he was forced to carry his cross from Judgment Hall, which is called the Praetorium, all the way to the Hill of the Skull called Golgotha, which we know as Calvary. And because of the severe beating that Jesus had, because of the severe flogging that Jesus took at the hands of the Roman soldiers, he needed help to carry his cross on the way to Calvary. And on the way to Calvary, the Roman soldiers, they seen a man on the side of the road that was witnessing the crucifixions. <clears throat> and his name was called Simon. And the Bible says that he was from Cyrene. Simon from Cyrene. And they, they forced this man, Simon, to help Jesus carry the cross. And we know from another gospel that Simon picked up the cross behind Jesus. And the message for us, is that we also need to follow behind Jesus and carry the cross just as Simon did. And we ended last week's lesson with the Roman soldiers putting up a sign as to why Jesus was crucified. And the sign read, King of the Jews. Now in another gospel, we also know that the religious leaders didn't want the Romans to put this sign above Jesus especially inscripted you know, on it, King of the Jews. The religious leaders didn't want that to happen. So the message is, is that this just shows us here that the Romans believed that Jesus really was the Messiah. And that's the reason that he was put to death, that he really was the King of the Jews. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 27, and let's begin with verse 38. And verse 38 states this, Two rebels were crucified with him, him meaning Jesus, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. And they were saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders, they also mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. 
About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Ile, Ile, Lima, Sabitani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar. He put it on the staff and he offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So let's go back to verse 38 and kind of decipher what's going on here in the scriptures in today's lesson. Verse 38 states this, two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and the other on his left. Now, this fulfills what we read about in Isaiah, a very important prophecy. Isaiah 53 verse 12 talks about how the Messiah is going to be numbered with the transgressors. And we see that here that Jesus is on the cross and there's a rebel on his right and a rebel on his left. So this fulfills what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 12. Now we know this, that Jesus, although he's on the cross and although he's sentenced to death and he will be crucified, Jesus knows no sin. See, Jesus was perfect. He never violated the Torah. He never violated any of the commandments of God. Nevertheless, he who was without sin became sin on our behalf. You see, our sins were placed upon him. Our sins, our guilt, our shame, our transgressions, our inequities, every aspect of sin was laid upon him. But because of what he did on the cross, the entire world, and the entire world's sins were placed upon him. But because of what he did on the cross, everybody, everyone in this world has a chance to be saved. They have a chance to be redeemed. However, it demands one thing, and that is faith in Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So we see in this verse here that there's two rebels on the cross. They're getting ready to be crucified with Jesus. There's one on his right. There's one on his left. And this prophecy fulfills what Isaiah 53, 12 stated. Verse 39. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. So we see that these people don't believe in the divinity of Jesus. Now, why do I say this? Because they were insulting him. They were, were throwing insults at Jesus. That's what the scripture says. They were shaking their heads and throwing insults and shaking their head. This shows a sign of disgust. It shows a sign of contempt. Now, this is sad, but I'm going to tell you this. Most of the world today is still doing the same thing as what these people did back some 2,000 years ago. They are denying that Jesus is the Messiah. See, they don't have a relationship with him. They don't know him. And if you don't know him, if you don't believe in him, if you don't have a relationship with him, then you're headed straight to hell. Why do I say that? Because the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that no matter if you believe or you don't believe right now, 
See, if you believe, if you have a relationship, if you repent of your sins, then the Bible says that you are saved through faith by the grace of God. But if you don't believe, then you're going to be cast out into eternal hell. But you need to understand, before you get cast down to eternal hell, the great white throne judgment, the book of Philippians says this, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Amen. See, if you don't believe this before you die, then you are lost for eternity. But before you are cast away forever, you and everyone else that has denied Jesus, you're going to bow down. You're going to confess in front of him. And this all takes place at the great white throne judgment. So all of these people will experience eternal judgment because they didn't recognize who Jesus was and who Jesus still is today. And remember, the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto men to die once, then the judgment. Verse 40. And they were saying, so they're passing by. Jesus is on the cross. They're passing by. They're shaking their heads. They're in disgust, right? And, and verse 40 says this. They're saying as they're passing by, you who are going to destroy the temple, and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. So let's look at that first text here in verse 40 that states this. They say, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Now, Jesus did say this. This was something that Jesus talked about. But when Jesus said that he was going to destroy the temple and build it back in three days, Jesus wasn't talking about the physical temple that's in Jerusalem. Jesus wasn't talking about that. Jesus was referring to the spiritual aspect of that statement because the body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. And he was saying that I'm going to die. In other words, his body, three days after he dies, will be raised from the dead. So he's speaking about his death, burial, and resurrection here. See, God confirmed everything Jesus said as true. Everything he did as righteous, especially this giving of himself. You see, the people didn't understand what Jesus was saying because they were looking from the physical aspect rather than the physical aspect. So when Jesus says that he's going to rebuild the temple in three days, He's not talking about the physical temple, but instead he's talking about his resurrection. He's talking about his body. You see, when Jesus died and Jesus resurrected from the dead, right? That gave us now full access to God directly through Jesus. And if you become a believer in Jesus Christ, if, if, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you believe in your heart that he is the Messiah, that he died and he rose from the dead on the third day, then now Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you're inviting him into your heart. You invite him into your life. And because Jesus is the temple, now the temple lives inside of you. And you have direct access to God through his son, Jesus. Amen. So what they say here is this. They say, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Look at the second half of that. They say, save yourself. Come down from the cross, they say, if you are the son of God. Now, if he wanted to do this, he could have did this. But if he did this, then he'd be disobeying his father. 
He would be disobeying God's plan for salvation. See, he had to be that sacrificial lamb. He had to shed his blood in order for all of humanity to be redeemed. So they were trying to get him to go against his father's plan. They wanted him to come down from that cross and not complete the work that he was sent into this world to do. And the message for us here is that no matter what people say, we need to be obedient to God the Father, just like Jesus was obedient to him. You see, we can't give in to peer pressure. People mocking us, making us feel bad, right? If you know that God has told you something and you know that God is leading you to do his will and his purpose and his plan for your life, then you need to be obedient and you need to, you need to do what God says, not what man says, amen? Verse 41, in the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. So we see here, not only the Roman soldiers, not only people in general, but now the religious leaders are starting to get in on some of this and they're starting to mock Jesus. They're starting to make fun of Jesus. And look at verse 42. They say this, he saved them. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. So there's a lot going on here in this scripture. So let's take it. Let's go back at the top where it says he saved others, but he can't save himself. Well, that's not necessarily true because he was very able to come down from that cross. He was very able to save himself, but that's not what's God's plan. That wasn't his father's will, right? So this is another great example of Jesus always doing what the Father wants, what the Father says. So he's always doing the Father's will. The second half of that scripture. He's the king of Israel, they said. Then let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. So we see that these people, rather they intended to or not, were going to be used by the devil. Satan was using them. You see, the devil's always against the purposes of God. So they were saying, come down from that cross. But you see, Jesus was sent into this world to be on that cross. Jesus was sent here by the Father to die on that cross. This is the reason that he came at this very moment to die a painful and brutal death for all of us, for you, for me, for the entire world. See, he was doing the work of redemption. So they say this. They say, if you are the king, then come down. And if you come down, then we're going to believe in you. Now, this isn't true. They never would have believed in Jesus, that he was the Messiah, that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They never had any intention of believing in Jesus because the devil was using them. And sometimes in life, in certain situations that we may get ourselves in, we may be controlled by Satan himself. See, if you're not entwined with the Holy Spirit, if you're not entrenched with the Holy Spirit, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then chances are you're very, very likely to be deceived. You're very, very likely 
to give into temptation, you're very, very likely to do the work of Satan instead of letting the Holy Spirit lead you into peace, into joy, into happiness, into positivity, right? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is. We are to take on the character of Jesus. We are to take on the attributes of Jesus. Verse 43. They say he trusts in God. So let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. So he trusts in God and let God rescue him now if he wants him, him meaning Jesus. So they're saying, God, if this really is your son, if, if you really are well pleased with him, just like you said when John the Baptist was baptized in Jesus at the Jordan, and, and, and we know that there's the clouds open up and a voice came down and said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. Just like at the Mount of Transfiguration, where God the Father said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Right? They're saying, if this is the case, then you have to deliver him. But you see, that's not necessarily true. He doesn't have to do that. Because God doesn't have to meet man's expectation. The expectation of humanity, because normally those are sinful expectations that we have as man. You see, God's will is not to rescue Jesus. Because God the Father is the one that sent Jesus into this world for this purpose only. That purpose was to die on the cross and on the third day that he would raise Jesus from the dead. For he said, I am the Son of God. So they are quoting Jesus because Jesus said this several times. So Jesus says over and over, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, which simply means I am the Son of God. So they're just quoting what Jesus said. But Jesus really was the Son of God. He really was the Son of Man, right? Amen? Verse 44. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So we have two thieves on the cross. And they're also insulting Jesus for the first half. Now in another gospel, we see where there's one of the thieves, one of the rebels, right before that three o'clock hour, right before he passes away and Jesus passes away. He repents to Jesus. He turns to Jesus on the cross and he tells Jesus, remember me when you come into thy kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. You see this thief, after thinking about it, being on the cross for four or five, maybe six hours, he repented. And because of that, didn't matter what he did before. Didn't matter that he was a rebel. It didn't matter maybe that he murdered people. It didn't matter whatever he did. God said, because you ask for forgiveness, then you will be in the kingdom with me. See, that's the graceful God that we serve. That's the loving father that we serve. 
He wants to welcome all of us into his kingdom. But it takes repentance. It takes believing in him. So we see two rebels side by side on each side of Jesus, and they're mocking him. Verse 45. From noon, some of your Bibles might say the sixth hour until three, or some of your Bibles might say the ninth hour. In the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. Now, this is very important, and why is it important, you say? Because if you look at the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, we see something. It was at midnight, total darkness, that God struck in order that the Jewish people and the Gentiles as well, because it was Jew and Gentile back in the book of Exodus, that set forth the Israelites. So from this, we learn something. We learn that God's redemption happens in darkness. There's a connection that we see between darkness and redemption. So this occurs in springtime right here that Jesus is on the cross. It's in the middle of the day. It's very bright. The sun is shining. It's high up in the sky. The sun is shining. But at noontime, look what happens. In contrast to what people and the religious leaders, they were mocking Jesus. You know, uh, God caused the world at that very moment to become total dark. It was in total darkness. Why? Because darkness in this case is related to redemption. Jesus on the cross. He's about to die. And we know that Jesus is the light of the world. And that light shines bright, especially in the dark. So why is that important, you see? Because just what I just said. Because it shows that Jesus is the light of the entire world. You see, Jesus hung on the cross and he died on that ninth hour. And nine means work. In other words, what do we mean by work right here? Dying and suffering through crucifixion. That's what Jesus did. That's the work that he did because that was the Father's plan. He did the work so we can have a chance to be saved, to be redeemed. And the number six means grace. So we can say that he did the work of grace in order for the world to receive redemption. Now the question is this, have you received this redemption by grace and by accepting his death on the cross? See, not only believing that he died, but that God the Father confirming, receiving his death by raising him from the dead, See, you and I receive life by faith because of what he did. You see, just like when Jesus comes back at the second coming. When Jesus comes back at the second coming, the entire world, we learned this in the book of Revelation, and we also learned this in Matthew earlier, the entire world will be in darkness. Why? Because once again, Jesus is the light of the world. And once again, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to save Israel, he's coming back to save that one-third remnant from the enemies of the world. He's coming back to redeem them, to save them. And when he comes back, he's going to be in total darkness. But the light's going to shine as soon as he leaves heaven and gets in 
to this earth atmosphere that we know as today. And it's going to be shining bright. The whole entire world will look up and see him coming at the second coming. Verse 46. About three in the afternoon. Some of your Bibles might say the sixth hour. Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Eli, Eli, Limi, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Now, this is very, very important here. Why do I say that? Because you see, when someone is crucified, you get crucified and you're hanging on the cross. And you might be hanging on the cross for five, six hours. In this case, Jesus was on there for six hours. And as every minute goes by, and after every hour goes by, it gets harder and harder and difficult and difficult to breathe. Because you see, what kills that person on the cross is suffocation. They suffocate. That's really what kills them. And when someone can't breathe, they have less and less air. So it makes it difficult to breathe. It makes it difficult to even speak. And when this happens, that person can only whisper as he gets towards the end of his life. He's on the cross. The first hour might be fine, but as the second, third, fourth hour goes by, he becomes weaker which means it's harder for him to breathe. He's gasping for air, which means he's whispering now towards the end of his life, towards the end of his death. And that whisper gets softer and softer and softer because it's harder to breathe. He hardly can't speak. But look what happens with Jesus. Just moments right before he dies. Look what the scripture tells us. Jesus cried in a loud voice. So we see here that he could not have died by crucifixion. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. Was Jesus crucified? Absolutely. Yes, he was. Did he die on that cross? Yes, he did. But did he die because he was crucified? No, he did not. Then why did he die? Well, the scripture is going to tell us that in a second. But before we get to that, we know this. We know that Jesus, as I said earlier, never sinned. Jesus was perfect. Jesus lived 33 years on this earth. He lived a perfect life. He always submitted to his heavenly father. He never disobeyed. He never disobeyed his father. He never disobeyed or broke any of the Torah commandments. And the Bible tells us, he who was without sin, he became sin for us, meaning our sins were placed upon him. The world's sins were placed upon him. And because of this, we see a, a connection in the scripture. And Paul, the apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. It says that people die because of sin. You see, as soon as Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, then sin entered into this world. Death entered into this world. So what brought about the death of Jesus, you say? Yeah, he was crucified. But, but he really died because this is what Jesus was sent for. Jesus died because the entire sins of the world was placed upon him by his father. And Jesus obeyed his father and did that. Why? So we can have a chance to be in the eternal kingdom of heaven with him. If we repent, 
If we live by faith, if we believe that he was the Messiah, that he died, and on the third day he rose again. Amen? And the second half of that verse states this. Jesus cried out in a loud voice and he said, Eli, Eli, Lini, Sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Eli, Eli means, my God, my God. Lini means, why? And Sabatani means, have you forsaken me? So why would God the Father forsake his son Jesus? That's the question. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because God will not have anything to do with sin. So when Jesus bore all the sins of the world, when he took it upon his shoulders, when he's at that cross at that very moment that he's about to die, right before this happens, the relationship for a moment, just for a moment, was broken between God the Father and Jesus, his only begotten son. Why? Because God will not have any part of sin. And when Jesus died, he took the sins of the world upon himself. So when Jesus cries out in a loud voice, and he says the things that he says, why have you forsaken me? That's what he means. And it shows us that in order to get to heaven, that we need to repent of our sins. That we need to come to faith in Messiah. We need to have a relationship with him. But it's through repentance. Repentance is what's going to get you. That's what John the Baptist came. John the Baptist came to pave the way for Jesus. And what John the Baptist preached, he preached repentance. For the kingdom of heaven is near. He was saying that Jesus is coming right behind me. And the only way to get to him and to know him for eternity is through repentance. So we see that Jesus, when he cries out in a loud voice, this is what it also shows us, that he didn't die by crucifixion. Because if he would have died by crucifixion, he wouldn't be yelling in a loud voice. He would hardly be speaking and he would be whispering. So his death wasn't because of the crucifixion. His death was because of your sins, because of my sins, because of the sins of the world. Verse 47. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Now, when some of those standing there heard this, so we see that people was there and they were standing around there for a while. All of the crucifixion, the six hours. And, and they were there to see what was going to happen. They was there to witness. And when they see this, some of them say he's calling for Elijah. Now, we know prophetically in the book of Malachi, we know that Jesus, before he comes back the second time, when he comes back to bring judgment on the world, when he comes back to defeat the enemies of Israel, when he comes back to save that remnant, that one-third, he comes back to establish his kingdom here on earth. We know that Elijah the prophet will come before him. We learn that in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, we know right before that last half of the great tribulation period, the last three and a half years, we know that Elijah and a lot of scholars believe is going to be Moses. They're going to come back to this earth. They're going to be in Jerusalem, walking the streets of Jerusalem, preaching repentance. And we know that they're going to be put to death eventually. But we also know that two days later, that they're going to be raised from the dead. So here 
We know this, that this is going to happen. And we see this in Scripture concerning John the Baptist as well. Because the Scripture tells us that John the Baptist comes in the spirit of who? Elijah. So these people know the prophets right here. And what they said, because they think he's calling for Elijah. But you see, they have it wrong. They know the prophets, but they got it all mixed up. Elijah comes before Jesus' second coming. Okay? Verse 48. Immediately, one of them, one means a Roman soldier more than likely. He ran and he got a sponge. And he filled it with wine vinegar. Now, what type of wine would this be? It's going to be bitter. Or it's going to be a sour wine. Now, why is that important, you say? To answer that question, you need to understand the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. See, in the book of Numbers in chapter 9, it speaks about Passover. It speaks about the second observance. And it tells us for Passover, in order for Passover to be fulfilled, there's three elements that have to be consumed at the same time. And what are those three elements, you say? Is the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, is the matzah, which is the unleavened bread, and it's the bitter herbs, which is the sour wine. So biblically, it is all these three things that need to be consumed that fulfills the Passover service that we read about in the book of Exodus in chapter 12. Now, we know that Jesus, he's the bread of life. So we can say right here that Jesus is the matzah. He's the unleavened bread because leaven means sin. And Jesus never sinned, so he's unleavened, right? And we know that because Paul teaches this in 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. We also know that he is the Lamb of God. See, Jesus came as that Passover lamb, as that Passover sacrifice, that sacrificial lamb. So we have the lamb, we have the unleavened bread, but we're missing something. And we're missing the bitter herbs, the sour wine. So what happens when Jesus cries out, one person, probably a Roman guard, he's there. And he gets a sponge and he dips it in the wine vinegar. And he put it on a staff and he offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, staff here is important because staff represents Passover. Remember, Moses in the book of Exodus always had a staff. So staff is representative of Passover. Verse 49. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. So these people know the scripture and they wanted to witness what was going to take place. They wanted to know if Elijah was coming. But here's the problem. Elijah's going to come before Jesus returns back to earth. And now when Elijah comes back, he's going to bring a message of repentance. So he will be the reason that the one third remnant of the Jewish people will be saved. And some of the Gentiles also with them will be saved through the tribulation period. And the last verse for today, verse 50, when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So we see now that Jesus has just died because that's what it means when he gave up his spirit. That means that Jesus has died. Now the scripture tells us and it's very clear. When Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, this tells us once again, it points to the fact that Jesus didn't die from 
crucifixion. Instead, what killed Jesus? You killed Jesus. I killed Jesus. Sin and the world's sin killed Jesus. You see, he died because he bore the sins of the world. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. Hopefully you got, you got something out this lesson. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Go be a blessing to someone this week. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. God bless.